the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. He's an anti-winger. Hates chicken wings. Leave! Because the boomers are out there going, ah, well, you never heard of the flu? We made it through that every single year. I'm a lunatic. It's time for Cofield and Company. With Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. John Von Tobel is here. It's Cofield. Our Finley Toyota Studios. Ari is steering the ship and doing a hell of a job of it. Uh, he grabbed his Eddie Johnson from uh, NBA greatness of the past and the former Phoenix Sun and doing work for Sirius XM. He's coming up in about 25 minutes. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. All right, a lot of baseball talk today. Spin rates are down. We're seeing it. There are certain pitchers out there that are struggling, but on the flip side, that means that certain hitters are going to take off. Joey! Baby. Uh, Joey Gallo. Oh, was I supposed to follow that? No, no, no. Uh, Joey Gallo, 216, nine homers in April and May. In June, 10 homers, hitting 263. Well, guess what? The curveballs aren't working like they used to. Four-seamers, a lot of guys are having to cut back on the four-seamers, so we could see... Joey Gallo, catch fire. Chris Woodward, let's calm down, all right? We're going to have multiple references in the Big Five to some of the greats in baseball history. Uh, The run of Gallo's home run binge, Chris Woodward, the manager, said, quote, it reminds me of Barry Bonds. Okay. All right, I love Joey Gallo, but come on. Let's not put too much pressure on Big Joey. But he's been damn good. He's been locked in. Of course, I locked it. I like that. I always like looking at some of his numbers locked in at 263 with the bag. <laughs> but hey, hey, today, it's good. This year, not bad. And, you know, he's traditionally around 195 to 210. So right. Th- that guy hits 250, and he's already a good on-base percentage guy because he actually – it's weird. There are strikeout guys who actually do have good eyes and get a lot of walks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he's going to hit 250 and, you know, bang 45 home runs, then he's a freaking megastar. Well, and uh, by the way, you – he was probably sitting up there in the front office in Texas and going, the Jack Nicholson, like, because yeah. we're coming up on the trade deadline. And there's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of teams out there who could probably use a guy like Gallo, right? And you're probably nodding away, going, keep it up. Just touch 265, keep knocking these balls out of the park, and we got something for you. And we'll just ship them off. And then, of course, go back down to like 220 and do whatever you need to do. Number four. Well, we're keeping an eye on the Cubs now because the story before the season, another hometown hero, Chris Bryant, could be out. You know, Cubs trying to rebuild, you know, uh, spin him off before free agency for a bunch of young people. Well, that that was out the – I that wasn't a possibility about two weeks ago. They were sitting at like 43 and 32. Well, they've gotten destroyed recently. I mean, the last two days against the Phillies, they gave up 28 runs. So now you're starting to see, hey, they're going to sell this guy. They're going to sell that guy. Is it time to break up the Cubs? And, and yesterday, Bryce Harper, another hometown hero – was the guy who did it to him. He just crushed him. I don't even get it. Why was the the Cubs crowd was chanting F Bryce? Harper, yeah. Why? I have no idea. I mean, maybe because I, don't, I guess they dislike him. I didn't know if maybe there was a history that I just don't remember back in his national days with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, but regardless, they were chanting over and over again F Bryce Harper until – he just rocketed a three-run shot. <laughs> right. Then everyone shut up. So good. I love I love instant karma like that. And sending the Cubs to their 10th consecutive loss. And this is why, like, in, in, I think in any other sport, a 10-game losing streak of any kind is getting some sort of publicity. 
you go to ESPN.com, you watch it, I'll do this. The mainstream media is not covering it. You want to know why? Because baseball's boring. Chicago is very lucky that baseball is not as popular as maybe it once was. Like, a 10-game losing streak like that. And think about, for those who don't know, like, the way that this losing streak has gone. They had lost four, you know, five consecutive games in which they scored first. They had the massive meltdown where they scored seven runs in the first inning against the Brewers the other day, and then leave fifteen, allowing them to score fifteen consecutive to lose that fifteen to seven. This all stems from remember when they combined to no hit the Dodgers. Since then, they have lost every single game. Like that's when they were at their peak, and all of a sudden, it's just been a nightmare. I'm, this clearly is a team that has flaws, and Chris Bryant, I think he's already been tied to the Mets as potentially getting out of there, and that'd be a pretty good pickup, I think, for the New York Mets if they land it. But this is a pretty big story, but it's, it's baseball, and it's not really covered in, in depth. Number three. Because everyone's covering your guy, Otani, and Tatis Jr. Oh, I shouldn't mention him in the same breath. That Stop. pisses you off. Uh, Otani had home run number 32 today as the Angels beat the Red Sox. But let's go back to last night. Here's Otani at the plate. Remember, he was also pitching, but here he is at the dish. Because Evaldi has a lot of tools in the toolbox, and Otani sends that one to right. It bounds against the wall. Fletcher scores easily back-to-back doubles in the halo half of the first, and it's a 1-1 ball game. There you go. Uh, We appreciate John's filling in as part of the company so much. We give him more Angels highlights. Here's Max Stassi. Pitch home. And Max swings and sends a ball deep to left field. Verdugo takes a look, and it's gone! Want some defense? Here's Otani giving up a bomb. Oh, it's not a bomb. A one. Bogart sends a ball well hit out to right center field. Lagores leaps and brings it back! He saved a two-run dinger! Oh, he stole a two-run dinger. No. That's Scurgeon on the call? Angels? Yeah. He's look doing like some, like, because, uh, like, you know, for those who don't know, um, the position is open for play-by-play for the Angels. This is the first year. You going for it? And uh, I do not. I am not. But like, Rescursion's <laughs> been in the booth quite a bit. Uh, but how about Otani yesterday? How about this? And I don't even care about the back. He's absolutely incredible. What he has done in terms of being a pitcher, Otani yesterday, seven innings pitched, 89 pitches. Ruthless. He's got, he's got what, a 187 ERA in his home start. has got to get better on the road. Uh, doing the pitching, hitting thing that no one really has done successfully since. Do we say it? Joe Madden said you have to go back to Mr. Ruth, Mr. Ruth, to draw any comparisons. That just screams what this is all about. We all romanticize what it would have been like to watch Babe Ruth play. Now we're living it. So don't underestimate what we're saying. Yeah, you're living a better version of it. Stop it. We're at the Wait, point. what? You're living a better version of Babe Ruth and Shohei Otani? Yes, stop. The, the comparisons are now ridiculous. When you look at some of the numbers for Babe Ruth in terms of what he was as a baseball player, and look, baseball was different back then, and I know we romanticized guys who played uh, back in the 1920s and 30s. Shohei Otani as an athlete, the numbers he has put up and what he's been doing, he's better than Babe Ruth. Stop. Wow. Okay, shut down. I figured that was a big compliment. You're like, don't insult Shohei Otani. Don't. Like, seriously, like, if you look at some of the – there was one – there was, like, a – there was a side-by-side two weeks ago. They were comparing, like, Shohei Otani to Babe Ruth, like, the pitching numbers. The walks for Ruth? They were out of control. He had no command whatsoever. It was ridiculous. And they're like, oh, oh, Donnie, he could be like this guy one day. Like, no, no, no. Maybe Babe Ruth. I Well, actually, no, he can't catch up to Otani. It's already done, so. My God. It's insulting. You were fired up. Uh, Were you as fired up as uh, Adam Ottavino from the Red Sox last night? So I didn't get this. Like, this this is the one thing. So 
uh, <laughs> Adam Hanavino, who uh, the other day, uh, Shohei Otani, it's five to four. Uh, he's got an opportunity at the bottom of the ninth inning, runners on first and second uh, to win the game, right? Potentially with a well-placed hit. And he gets a hold of one, but it goes straight into the shift and somebody picks it up and it's an out. The game is over. But as Adavino walks off, um, apparently, according to lip readers, he says, he screams it to Otani, bye-bye, bleeping, happy birthday. I don't know if I can say that. Female dog. Like he's like screaming it at him. And it was Otani's birthday that Female day. Female dog. Right, yeah. Like, he's like, for no reason, he's just like screaming it at Otani. Okay. Like, well, what did that come from? By the way, you dropped two out of three. I like Best record talk. in baseball? Uh, best puff, record in the puff, AL? Puffing out his chest. Get out of what here. are the Angels now? Are they 45 and 42? Uh, 40, like 43 and 41. <laughs> 44 and 42. <laughs> okay, there we go. After <laughs> the 5-4 win. Against the Red Sox. Don't sleep. Congrats, man. You got your Angels portion in there. And uh, I, I like Shohei Otani, too. I think the story's tremendous. Top two stories. Number two. So, yeah, the jump was back today. Rachel Nichols was back on. We got the Rachel Nichols video uh, disparaging remarks about uh, one Maria Taylor. There, it's a whole sorted thing. Why the video was released, why it was recorded in the first place. Uh, you know, in the middle of 2020, there's a lot going on here. But it's a it's a very interesting workplace scenario and if you missed a quote um rachel nichols was upset that she was being replaced at the uh, the top of the heap for uh the nba countdown show and she said i wish maria taylor all the success in the world she covers football she covers basketball if you need to give her more things to do because you're feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity which by the way i know personally from the female side of it like go for it just find it somewhere else you're not going to find it from me or taking my thing away so she's fighting for a gig she thought she thought she had the gig she thought she suggested Maria Taylor's only getting the gig because of diversity issues. By the way, you've never felt this as a uh, Mexican-American in any workplace, have you? Um, well, no. We have you heard stuff like this? Maybe not pertaining to you. Well, you know what? As a young guy, have you heard stuff like, oh, I wonder why that person's rising up the ranks? Because this stuff happens all over the media workplace, and it's sad. Everyone's got an excuse as to why they're not achieving and, and someone else is. And in this one... This, this case is really sad because you've got two women, uh, and it's interesting that you know Rachel Nichols is talking about basically alleging that someone is getting a bump up over her because of diversity. Rachel knows full well that lots of people have said that she got her opportunities in the first place because of diversity, because you need to get women in. So to have two women going at it is incredibly sad. Really sad. Yeah. Well, look, I'm I'm half Mexican. That might surprise some people because I am in the body of a soft, like Caucasian male, and my last name is Von Tobel. So I have not experienced anything. <laughs> so I have not experienced anything of that nature, despite the fact that I can say carne asada very well. Um, but no, I, I I will say this from an age perspective. I do feel like there have been times as I have gone through my career that my opinion or my knowledge has not been taken as seriously because I skew a little bit younger. You know, I'm 30, I'm getting old now, but, you know, as I went you're, through you're, my career. You're openly an ageist going up. You, uh, you, you bad mouth boomers, which, you know, I don't like. They deserve it um, to the lesser generation. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that has held me back to a certain extent in terms of at least being taken seriously. You know, I am where I am. I think I am a very good in a very good position given where I started and how old I am. But I think that has not even held me back, but in terms of how seriously I've been taken because of my age, yeah. Really good conversation about what went on here behind the scenes at ESPN. And it's funny. People think this is like some unusual thing. And ESPN is broken. Lots of places are broken. The workplace is changing. Lots of new people who didn't have opportunities to move up the ranks in workplaces are getting a chance. Sports radio certainly has its issues. So this is another one of those cases we talk about this. And I'm like, we have to look, you know, within 
in sports radio, we have a, a lot of diversity issues. And, you know, you get stuff like this where, you know, people come in, people move up, and it's like, oh, I'm not getting a chance because of this reason. Stop with the excuses. Dan Levertard did a really good, uh, I'll call it a long segment. I hate the word segment. But they did about 50 minutes, uh, Dan did, with uh, Amin Al-Hassan and Jamel Hill on their experiences at ESPN and, you know, what was what was happening then and what they think is happening now. And it, there's a lot of people calling for Rachel Nichols to be fired and Dan Levertard asked Jamel Hill hey how do, how do you feel about Rachel what do you think perfectly honest I don't know what I feel <laughs> really because and I think that's okay too to not know uh, you know how you feel I don't have a close enough relationship with Rachel to be out here defending her and to say exactly what's in her character even though again um and having had like good conversations with her that's the extent of it so I'm not gonna sit up here and pretend like Rachel and I are besties like we aren't right and so not to the point where I feel like I need to put on a cape. So she's not going to rush to her defense and mm-hmm. be her superhero. So, which hey, she's entitled to. Shouldn't have to. And in that podcast as well, um, Jamel Hill too. To be fair, because I mean, Hill Hassan uh, made some headlines today about his comments about Adrian Wojnarowski stepping on the necks uh, of minorities, and uh, he was pretty clear. He was talking about Sham Charania, uh, who works now for the uh, for Stadium and the Athletic, um, but. Jamel Hill also brought up, like, hey, you know, Rachel Nichols has a reputation at ESPN2 for being relatively ruthless. And you you can, right, because it's your career. It's your job. Some people are ruthless when it comes to those sort of things. Yep. Uh, but it, it kind of speaks to that. Like, yeah, you don't have to exactly rush to the defense. We all have flaws, essentially, when it comes to things like this in our careers. But well, it's, it's, like I said, it's every workplace. People try right. to achieve, and sometimes they – I'm not going to say they're taking shortcuts, but you have to climb over other people, and it's going to be cutthroat. Uh, look, Doesn't mean it's right. I will be perfectly frank. I feel like I had to do that, and early on here, Eddie. Is what? I, I I have I have I don't know if I've there ever addressed this. True serum. Well, I, I mean, to a certain extent, I've always felt kind of bad about everything that happened with Chuck. Oh, hey, like I really okay. have. Well, like, I, like kind of spilling the beans here. Like, sorry, well, kids. Ari's, Ari's up next. Well, I've told the story, but like one of the, one of the key moments that always stuck out was you allowed me to fill in one time when I was still producing. But Chuck made the mistake, and he thought it was him. And I, like, I was still you know wet behind the ears. And so, like, uh, Chuck preps everything, tells me to get behind the board. I do. And as you watch me get upset behind the board, you go, "What are you doing? Get behind the board!" And me and Chuck switch places. And I'm like, "Like, I'm relatively new. I don't know what's going on." And then everything goes from there. But at the same time. When I went back home to talk to Isabel and where I'm at with my career, you're damn straight. I was like, hell yeah, I'm the best at this job, and I deserve it. Oh, wow. We'll have to continue the story. <laughs> I have to ask questions. I don't know what the hell's going on right now. I have no part in this. Well, I did have a part in that. <laughs> Top story. Number one. I'm actually encouraged by what I saw last night from the Bucks. I didn't think the Bucks played a great game. Giannis is coming in less than 100%. I still think there's some adjustments. Listen, they they – they threw out a couple of defensive approaches last night. It clearly did not work. The dropping off didn't work. The switching one through five didn't work. But there's still a lot of upside with Giannis. I still think there's a lot more upside with Middleton. Um, I don't know if some of the the younger guys, other guys who have fought to get in the league, are going to shoot the three ball the way they did for the Suns. I'm I'm encouraged by the Bucks. I still I still think the Bucks have a good chance in this series. Am I crazy? No, of course not. Right? Like if you I got 155 before the series. Now uh, latest number I saw was Bucks plus 280. Don't do it. Okay. Just bet Giannis to win the MVP. You get him like six to one. They're not winning this finals. Oh, we're doing this again. They're not winning this finals unless Giannis is is at his peak. 
and they're not winning the finals. I don't completely believe that. If, if, if Giannis can be really good and Middleton can average 38 points a game, he gets the MVP and they they can win it. I disagree. I think Giannis, like, so like, well, because for me, at least when I look at it, right, one of the key things that I think is going to get corrected as you move forward with Milwaukee, if you go to what they did yesterday, they only shot 61% within four feet of the basket, right? That's their bread and butter when Giannis is on the floor. If you go to the two games that they played the Suns, DeAndre Ayton got destroyed in the regular season. Yeah. And you've talked oh, about yeah. this many times about the Suns' defense. Right. Close to the rim. If in the regular season, they were 24th in opponent shooting within four feet. In the postseason, they have given up the most attempts within four feet of the basket, but the shooting hasn't been there, right, in terms of the opponents are getting there. They're just not, not making those shots. And there's one key possession. I don't know if you remember this. I think it was the first quarter. Giannis gets the ball on the low block, and he, he backs down eight. He pushed Aiton back like three feet. And he just finished on him. And, like, that's the Giannis. He's got to do that. Forward. I like, also saw – he also got a freaking charge call, which I thought was bull crap. Yes. Like, he's – P.J. Tucker bodies him. He then goes to body him back, and then P.J. Tucker acts like he weighs 140 pounds. And you can just see, like, Greek Freak's like, what? Yeah. To so the official, like, come on. Mm -hmm. We're going to play physical. Let's play physical. Now, all of a sudden, the stout guy weighs 250 pounds. is falling to the ground. Right. And so, like, when you look at – like, the, the just – to me, the path to success is – Giannis, because remember, he averaged 40 points per game against the Suns in the two games of the regular season. If Giannis is having success, if the Milwaukee Bucks are having success, Giannis is like similar to Giannis uh, at his peak when he's fully healthy. And so that, to me, at least when you're talking about approaching it from betting it from a serious perspective, I would just take 6-1 to one with Giannis and sit back with his finals MVP because if, if they win the series, he's winning finals MVP. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Down the left field line, that is going to be a fair ball, and it bangs around in the corner. Heading for third is Castro and beyond. He'll be waved in. Here comes a throw from Fernando. He will be very out. Are you mad? We shouldn't have Otani cuts anywhere near Tatis Jr. cuts because that's now the comparison all around baseball. Where, where did I see the – there was a headline today. Oh, uh, Deadspin had one. MLB's must-see show is Tatis Jr., not Shohei Otani. Mm. How about they're both must-see shows? How about shut up? Yeah. I mean, sorry, I, was, uh, I wasn't really listening because I got lost. I was looking at the league leaders for errors. Oh, really? Is that your comeback on this one? That Fernando Tatis is uh, at the top of the list in terms of errors committed. Yeah, I think so. Who's going to hit more home runs if you could bet it head to head right now? Would you? Would you bet Otani for sure? Out of the two, yeah. Otani had his thirty second today. I think it's tough, mainly because what turns me off of that is Otani's at an unreal pace, but with the load of pitching as well. You just don't know if there's going to be an injury somewhere in there right. for him. And it's not like Tatis has been like, you know, an Iron Man. He's had a he's lot missed of, 19 games. Right. He's well, had yeah, there were, there were COVID him. issues with the Padres. So that's the amazing thing is he's got uh he's got twenty seven homers and fifty eight ribs. And uh yeah, if I'm correct, he missed nineteen. Eighteen errors for Fernando Tatis, by the way. Three more defense three, counts. Three more for the second leading. Defense guy. counts. Yeah. We count defense. Uh, it does. It does. Um three more than the next guy, Eugenio Suarez over at Cincinnati. So just throwing that out there. All right, so you were telling me not to bet the Bucks series price. That I should uh, just go with an MVP bet on Giannis. 
Um, I mean, that's where I, you know, Chris Paul now is minus 140 with MVP. So like my, so I picked for the write up for, for all the analysis, pick Suns in six, but I did not bet the series because I, I thought $1.92 way too high, right? Like right. when you consider the fact that the Bucks were favored by about a dollar fifty price tag over at the Superbook when Giannis was healthy. Now you're talking about $2 and we know that Giannis was going to play. So my series bet was Chris Paul plus 175 to win finals MVP. All right. I promise everyone uh, hockey at the beginning of the hour. We breezed right by it. Puck is dropped. It's scoreless. Uh, today, the Lightning were somewhere between 250 and 270. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could keep driving on the Canadians to stay in the series. I already have a series bet on them at plus 500. So you're hoping. Well, I mean, I have both sides, so. Like, oh. I, like I said, I have plus three hundred oh, right. series. Something on the, uh... Yeah, I got the, I got the Lightning when they were down against the Islanders. So I didn't I did not get involved in the game. You've locked in a profit. I've tried to I've tried to do this a couple times. It doesn't always work. Like I said, my no. Clippers uh, future bets went up in flames. Right, and it, it's tough. Way you always want to be in a situation where the ticket you have, like the team is the underdog, right? Or excuse me, uh, favorite. Yeah, right. I'm saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> you want to get a plus price on the other side as well. My brain's not really working efficiently. Uh, you know, like one of the tougher hedges for me was uh, my Miami Heat 80 to 1 ticket for the finals. They make it all the way there, but they're massive underdogs to the Los Angeles Lakers. But uh, they were pretty banged up, so it worked out pretty well. Six o'clock start tomorrow. We'll hand it off uh, for the pregame right after Cofield and company on Thursday. Let's get more on the finals. Former NBA player Eddie Johnson is up. He's uh, doing his daily radio show with Sirius XM. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Stick around. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. And now it's my pleasure to welcome in Malika Andrews, who will be on the sideline for the first time in an NBA Finals game in her career. But she's not the only newbie because there's actually only one player that has Finals experience that will be on the court here tonight. Yeah, so many good storylines around these NBA finals. Uh, we can put aside the – it's an important story, but the drama at ESPN with the uh, the ladies uh, battling over spots. So we'll uh, we'll have more on that later in the week for sure. We'll see how it plays out. I know uh, Rachel Nichols was back on the jump today, and a lot of people were very angry. Uh, let's focus on the basketball. Suns come out, look awesome. And as so often happens, John, when a team looks really good – then you have so many fans and media who are like, I don't know how the other team's going to win. <laughs> it's still going to be serious. I think Eddie Johnson knows the game. He works for Sirius XM, played in the NBA, all the way back to the Kansas City Kings. Believe it or not, I actually have a, uh, you know, I have like a bunch of old pennants. Yeah. I still have a Kansas City Kings pennant. Really? How about that? Eddie Johnson's up with Cofield and Company. How are you, sir? I'm good. Hey, you want to you send me that? You want to send me that pennant? You know, I thought you might ask. Here's a problem. I, I don't know what I, I think when I went to the – because I got it at a Nets game probably in, like, 83, and I think I must have had, like, a like a fudgy the whale or something. So I think I smeared chocolate over one corner, so it's not exactly a collectible. That's okay. That makes it authentic. And then I, what I'll do is I'll smudge my autograph on there, and yeah. then you and, I can, you and I can go get our retirement fund with that thing. There you go. There you go. You know, uh, just oh, real, quick, real quick on Kansas City – would that be a good NBA city again? Because we're always looking at the NBA here in Vegas with T-Mobile. Would Kansas City be a good NBA city again? Without a doubt. It was a good NBA city back then. It, the, the arena was just in the wrong location. Uh, Kemper Arena was a very nice arena, but it was over by the stockyards. And it, it <laughs> didn't have much public transportation to get there. If you didn't have a car, it would be tough to get there to go to the game. 
and you can be driving to the games, and you can actually hear the animals inside. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't it wasn't that fun. I mean, hearing animals yeah. being slaughtered, right? Uh, but yeah. yeah, it was. Now, <laughs> yeah, I know it's funny, right? But on yeah. the other hand, uh, the Chiefs and the Royals they yeah. they lived in a part of town that was accessible and beautiful facilities, and that's why they they prospered. So yes, Kansas City is a sports town. I know they have a, a, a tremendous arena, NBA size now there, uh, and they're, they're in the mix. Uh, right now, in, in my estimation, and uh, it's not like I have inside on it, it's just me being a prognosticator, but if I had to rank them, I'm ranking them Seattle, uh, Vegas, and then Kansas City. Okay. All right. So we got some competition for sure. Eddie Johnson's with us. All right, let's talk about Phoenix as a sports city, because I got to tell you, I underrated Phoenix. Uh, you know, it in a lot of ways, it's like Vegas with a lot of transplants. Man, I did not realize until recently, my, my head's been in the sand, how intense that city is about the Suns. That environment last night was crazy. And how many people live here? Mm-hmm. One of the largest right. cities in the country. Yeah. A lot of people forget about that. I don't know, was it, it like fluctuates from like five and six largest in the country? Yep. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's Vast, it's spread out, uh, well zoned, but these people get together in regards to their sports. And the Suns are the first born here. So Diamondbacks are second born, Cardinals moved here, Coyotes moved here. So anything that happens in this town, Phoenix Suns related, they're going to be at the top of the chart. And so- right now they're at the top of the chart. I mean, this team has been, you know, Here's the great part about it. Because of the pandemic and because fans couldn't obviously get to the arena, they were sitting at home listening to yours truly call the games. I'm not saying I was the reason, but I'll throw my name in. Uh, And, you know, they fell in love with this team because they not only were they watching the game, but the game was being described to them. And I think that's what reeled them in. They started to believe how good this team is. And lo and behold, these fans have been tremendous in this run. Uh, and I think Milwaukee's fans have been great as well. It's Cofield and Company. You can uh, hear Eddie Johnson weekday afternoons all year long on the only place on radio for 24-7 coverage of the NBA. That's Sirius XM NBA Radio. So, Eddie, you know, I'm curious your thoughts. We see yesterday Chris Paul uh, was absolutely fantastic for, a, I would say, a third consecutive game. He's been rock solid since the end of that Clippers series. But, you know, a lot was made of, man, we're going to drag Bud through the mud again, man. He's got to switch up this defense. you got to go small. you got to do something here. I've kind of been on the case of, like, like I don't know if there is something stopping this Suns team from what the Bucks roll out there. I think both of these teams match up really well. But specifically, when you have a guy like Chris Ball who can exploit that drop coverage, that soft area of the floor, that can exploit mismatches, what do the Bucks do to slow that down? Uh, outscore. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and, and, and that's what the Bucks have done all year, right? I mean, they scored a ton of points this year. Uh, but they can't outscore the Suns. And they can't outscore the Suns the way that they like to play. They like to push the ball because Giannis loves to push it. They love to run to the spots behind the three, so to leave the, 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 the floor space for him to get to the rim. And that's how they play. Unfortunately for them, we got a tremendous rebounder in DeAndre and so if it's one and done and he gets the rebound, as he did last night, they get 17 defensive rebounds, 
it ignites our speed. And we're the fastest team in the league. So, yeah, it's almost like when you used to watch Showtime. Like, we thought we had a fast team in Kansas City, but we weren't fast as the Lakers. So why would you want to run up and down with them? You're going to lose by 20. And that's essentially what the Bucks are dealing with here. And if you do slow it down and you get into a half court, the Suns right now have the best high pick and roll in the league. So, I mean, it's really nothing they can do to negate the high pick and roll. They're going to target who they want to target. Like, two, they say two Holiday needs to play defense on Chris Paul. He's not guarding Chris Paul. And if he tries to guard Chris Paul, they're going to pick him, and now Brooke Lopez is going to be guarding him. So, it, it, they really, they just really got to try to get stopped or take it totally away by blitzing it, doubling it, making Chris Paul passer. But then that unleashes guys over on that weak side, wide open for three-point opportunities, and the Suns are very teams that did that to them. So it's uh, you got Devin Booker over on that weak side. What you going to do? You going to run off and help off him? Go ahead. <laughs> so that, that's the conundrum that the Bucks have. And to me, the only, the only thing they got is they got outscored. And I just think it's hard for them to do it because Drew Holiday's been up and down. Giannis is still a little compromised. And, and and Chris Middleton, you know, he's scoring, but he's taking a lot of shots to get it done. And and that's not going to beat the Sun. So you watch – obviously we all watched. You watched in depth yesterday. You mentioned DeAndre Ayton. He's been one of the uh, the very good and low-key stories, his development as a player and especially throughout this postseason. But what did you see from Giannis and specifically in some of those matchups with Ayton? Because in the regular season, you know, 80 points between the two games in the regular season for Giannis into the Kumpo wasn't as explosive or as aggressive yesterday. What did you see from Giannis and what do you expect moving forward uh, against Ayton in that matchup? Well, it's like anything else what Giannis is going to face. He's going to face a team that stole a little bit of what – Teams of the past have done to him. Build a wall on him, make it very difficult. He's got to navigate through there on a tender knee. So that's the goal. You know, if he's going to get to the rim, and he got there a few times yesterday, he had 20 points, but he only took 11 shots. So if he's going to do that, he's going to have to travel a different road. He's not going to have a straight line drive to the rim. And then if he gets too close, they're going to foul him. Then he's got to go to the free throw line and have the stress of knocking down free throws and 18,000 people counting down. So it's just not going to be that easy. But, yeah, he has to play spectacular, I believe, for them to have a sincere chance. Now, they might come out in game two, guys, and they might be lights out from three. But the Suns can match them to a point well enough to where they can keep it close. And then the Suns play in the mid-range, which means they're more able to get fouled and get to the free-throw line, as we saw yesterday when they only got their 16 times and the Suns got their 26 times. So one of the things that I've really liked about this run uh, has been a lot of the ancillary pieces for Phoenix, right? You know, uh, Jay Crowder in terms of uh, his role expanding, playing very well in that series against Los Angeles Clippers. But one of my favorite players to watch in the series that he has been, uh, Mikhail Bridges, he has been absolutely dynamic in terms of his development. You mentioned a lot of the guys you can help off of and leave open. I would argue that Bridges, who was really good in the regular season series shooting the ball, uh, you don't really want to help off of him either. Uh, what have you seen from Bridges, though, this growth and now this year a double-digit scorer and a legitimate piece on a potential championship team? Well, it proved to be one of the top three-point shooters in the league last year, yeah. around 42%. This, this past season, he hasn't shot the ball well in the playoffs. That's expected. Numbers go down in the playoffs because of the pressure of everything. So it was good to see him uh, have a good game yesterday, uh, and hopefully that can lead him to being more consistent in that area. But 
defensively, uh, just being that Swiss Army knife, doing all the intangibles. Uh, he's been that guy all year. Uh, it's disappointing that he didn't make an all-defensive team. As I look across the, the aisle and look at the opponent, uh, T.J. Tucker. T.J. Tucker is one of the best defenders in this league as well. So we got two good defenders that play roles that can really help their team in a lot of ways uh, win ball games. And, and you're right, Mikael Bridges has been huge for this team all year. Eddie, we appreciate it. Everyone in Vegas, make sure you listen to Sirius XM NBA Radio. Uh, Eddie's doing the show. You're still doing it with Termini, right? Yeah, he does it with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Believe, I, believe me, I've been around uh, Termini, so congrats to you. you I know that's, uh, that's Yeoman's work. For you. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> exactly, that's Yeoman's work you're doing. <laughs> that's good stuff. Eddie, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We know you're a busy guy. All right, guys. Take care. There he is, Eddie Johnson. Weekday afternoons all year long on uh, radio, the only place going 24-7 with the coverage of the NBA. It's Sirius XM NBA Radio. And a uh, good point at the beginning, uh, and Vegas has this happen too. You know, people around the country, especially with the Western sports cities, really don't know how big we are, how fervent, or uh, you know how fired up the fan bases are. And you forget, Phoenix is freaking massive mm-hmm. as a city. It's just, it hasn't really had a footprint consistently with, you know, in any of the American sports leagues because their teams have been many times good but not great. Diamondbacks had their years, right? Mm-hmm. But the Suns have kind of always been, you know, in the last, you know, 30 years outside of the Steve Nash teams, which, you know, one of them got screwed. Phoenix teams have just not been in the consciousness of the average American sports fan. Cardinals have had their moments, but it just hasn't been consistent. He took a little long on the uh, the ranking of the cities when we were asking him. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, I like, think he was trying to make a strong case for Kansas City, and then he realized like, he couldn't bust chops on Vegas. Like Vegas is ahead of Kansas City. And really quick, because I brought up Mikhail Bridges, I think we should also remind people, because you know we saw the Philadelphia 76ers collapse and everything that happened with that team. And remember, the Philadelphia 76ers actually – uh, drafted Mikhail Bridges and traded him for Zaire Smith, who is uh, out of the G League. So uh, I saw you going really crazy last night in the middle of the game. He's great, man. Like, I, I would try, if you watch the game tomorrow, just watch the little things that he does. He's really good. Challenges the passing lane, super long. And Eddie mentioned he's a really good shooter as well. They have that's <laughs> a scary thing about him. Like Chris Paul has taken him to this next level, but you know Booker would be the vet. But they have some good young guys to build around. We know about Aiton, mm-hmm. but I thought Cam Johnson had his moments, and you know you were going crazy about Bridges, so. They've done, they've done a good job of, you know, drafting some pieces around this young team and building it up, and Chris Paul was just the cherry on top. The show never ends. Watch the Cofield and Company Late Night Pod tonight at 9 o'clock on YouTube or at Steve Cofield on Twitter. Cofield and Company presents... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Take your hand in there, Dave. JVT closing it out with Cofield here on... I forgot what day it was. This Wednesday. Uh, tomorrow we've got NBA Finals basketball. We'll be heading to that right after Cofield and company game two of the Suns going up against the Bucks. Suns with a one nothing lead. Hockey. Stanley Cup Final. Montreal. Scoreless. All right, so they're still alive. Scoreless towards the end of the first. Three minutes left in the first. As we told you, Tampa, massive favorite uh, in this game at minus 270. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I say that real slow when I'm transitioning. Uh, get you a baseball score here in a second. But first, I don't go crazy about the hat anger. But I did punch this. Uh, I guess New Era has another hat out. And now this one is a mixed font Come on. hat. 
Um, I'll describe it like this. I'm old. If I wore this hat, I would do it to try to look like a jackass. It looks awesome. as I, I will as I will often do wearing like a straight bill hat that clearly doesn't belong in a 51 year old. This one is unusually bad. It is. It's so it's uh, I guess they have called them their mixed font hats and it's literally just like it sounds. So uh, for for a visual for those who are listening, it's the regular New York Yankees emblem right in the middle of the hat. But then written across that emblem is the word Yankees. But it's in different fonts, so it's like Times New Roman, Old English, you know, whatever. They, did they, other they throw in wing? Did they yeah. throw in wingdings? Right, ring uh, wingdings, or what was the one? <laughs> right, like <laughs> sure. And it's just there's just so much going on, and I just don't know who saw this because usually I can kind of see what you're going for, right? But like, what I don't understand is putting the logo underneath the text. I can kind of get with it. If the original logo is not under the text, but I, I just I can't. There's so much going on here. I can't get behind it in any way whatsoever. They're pretty. Put your hand in there, Dave. Uh, today was Degrom Day. Yesterday was going to be Degrom Day, but weather stopped that one. Mets wound up winning four three. Degrom does not get the win. Shocker. Um, Ooh, he wait. was in position to get the. No, he wasn't actually. Uh, it was two two. Uh, top of the eighth. Diaz gives up a run. Uh, Mets come back with two in the bottom of the eighth in a seven inning game. Can we stop with the seven inning games, by the yes. way? It sucks so much ass. It's it's awful. Uh, DeGrom, though, seven strong, four uh, four hits, two runs, Bum. two strikeouts. Uh, ERA has now exploded again. I use the same joke every time. He's falling apart. Bum. His ERA is now 108. So Bob Gibson, uh, now deceased, but if he was alive, he'd be laughing right now. His number looks like it's pretty safe. He's imploding. He's falling apart. Uh, this is exactly what I was waiting for. This is absolutely this is fantastic. All sarcasm. My ba- my Brandon Woodruff NL Cy Young ticket is now like rife with life uh, because uh, this bum right here gives up three runs in the first inning last time out, and then here today, <laughs> complete game, seven innings, uh, four hits, and actually he was pretty. No DeGrom in the All-Star game. He said he's going to take the uh, time off, so I'm sure people it. are going to be mad about that. But if I'm a Mets fan, I'm good to go. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Did you see the interview with uh, MMA Junkie, uh, our buddy John Morgan and Dana White? Let me play a little excerpt for you here. <laughs> as uh, a lot of people are angry about what's going on with the heavyweight division, Francis Ngannou is the champ. He should be fighting the new heavyweight, John Jones. It's not happening because of money. Uh, now they've made an interim title fight. Ngannou is ready to fight, uh, but he doesn't want to fight for uh, so little money. So they put up another fight in between so morgan starts to address that with dana white who of course is having none of it i like the fight it's just francis you know he just had he just had the title you know four months ago and now he's an interim you know i mean i I think that's the only part that people are worried about like hey well what about francis i mean the guy's the you know the scariest dude on the planet and he just got it are you devaluing his title maybe by making an interim belt if anything this will make the title fight even bigger when these guys fight be champion versus champion no it won't uh, he's talking about Derek Lewis if he wins the fight. Uh, Derek Lewis shouldn't be in there in the first place. It should be John Jones, who hasn't had a heavyweight fight, but he's the most accomplished MMA guy in recent years. He worked his way to get up the heavyweight, set up a super fight against the Goliath of the division. We're not getting it, and it's already been played out publicly because it's over money. So John Morgan continues to try to push the issue, and again, DW is not having any of it. That so is pretty exciting. Why doesn't everybody just shut the f- up and let me do what I've been doing for the last 20 years? If you want to fight, I got fights every Saturday. If you don't want to fight, no problem. Fly around the world, go on f***ing vacations, and do whatever the hell you want to do. And when you're ready to fight, we'll be here. 
Yeah, that's so disingenuous because right. no one said they're not ready to fight. Francis Ngannou, the champ at heavyweight, is ready to fight. John Jones is ready to fight. They're seeing the Paul brothers make money when they're buffoonish clowns. They want to make money. They're seeing Anthony Joshua make big money, who's not a great heavyweight. They're seeing, you know, guys in the lower divisions making, you know, five and seven and eight million dollars on fights. Javante Davis just, you know, made a a big payday. It's over money. It's not. Hey, they they don't want to fight. No, they want to fight. Right. But but that that right there, my little diatribe pushing back. No one can do that. Well, they can in, in a conversation with Dana because he just starts screaming at you and says, let me do what I do. Well, as I've said many times, you're the one who told us you tore up the boxing blueprint, which meant big fights weren't made and it killed boxing to a certain extent. It's become more like boxing. And look, I would completely agree with everything. And I would push back a little. You can talk to Dana like that. You can push back on certain things like that. But there's this unique relationship with MMA media and Dana White and it doesn't exactly push the boundaries a lot, you know? Uh, access can be an issue at times. Of course. You don't want to ruffle too many feathers. Thanks to Ari for, for booking a great show. Appreciate it. Back tonight, 9 o'clock with the uh, Late Night Podcast. Ren Petro is in. That's up at Steve Cofield, Facebook, and YouTube as well. Von Tobel, thank you so much.